redemption for every affliction. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah? All right. Well, some of you guys are excited about it. The rest of you guys are like, what does that even mean? Redemption or affliction. It means he, he's bought back. The word redeem means to, to buy back. And so he's bought back all the stuff that we've gone through, all the junk in our lives. He's bought that back, and he's going to use it for good. And, uh, you know, we're living in a world where we have a lot of bad news. Um, in fact, I just read last night or this morning about a shooting that occurred in Oregon last night, um, and now there's potential um, protesting that's going to be happening today because of that. Um, and so we live in a bad world. We live in a world full of evil, and we see it all around us. Um, and though that's true, that a lot of times when people are going through difficult times, they don't need to hear that fact, right? They need to hear something else. And so we've been talking about the good news that um, we have, and it's the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the message of salvation that God has given us through faith in Christ. And uh, it doesn't matter what our skin color. Uh, God doesn't look at our political affiliations. God doesn't care what team you root for. Uh, more importantly, he doesn't care, in a sense, what happened in your past. What he's offering for all of us, and those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, what we are to give the message out to the world around us, what he's offering us is forgiveness of those sins uh, through faith in Christ. He's uh, wanting to give us spiritual life, to place his Holy Spirit in us, so that we can have a relationship with God and know God, know about him, make him known to others. And one day, when we die physically, that we'll spend eternity in heaven. And so, once he does that, the Bible tells us that he also gives us more gifts. It's kind of like the infomercial, right? But wait, there's more. You know, so we get this awesome gift of eternity in heaven, but while we're on earth, because we have this relationship with God, he also gives us some other good things. And so what we want to talk about over the next several weeks, now once we've talked about salvation, what are some of those good things that God's given us through our relationship with him. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, so if you're not there yet, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at the first 14 verses today. As you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. Um, so just kind of think about this. Prior to coming to Christ, who were you? What I mean by that is this. Prior to coming to Christ, um, how did you think of yourself? What did you think about yourself? Or what did you think about other people? What did you think about the, the circumstances and the situations that you found yourself in? What was your perspective? What was your struggles in life? Was it a, a, maybe it's a mental struggle, or maybe it's an emotional struggle, or maybe it was a relational struggle? What, who, was, who were you prior to coming to Christ? Now, for some of you guys... Uh, you were like me where you came to Christ when you were a little kid. And so I, I came to Christ when I was four years old. And some people say, can you really do that? Yes, because um, <laughs> I did. Um, and I, remember, I, can, I remember where I was sitting in my house. I remember my dad having a conversation. I've told you guys the story. And I remember at four years old, I knew that I needed to place my faith in Christ for my salvation. And so I did. I prayed and asked him to forgive me of my sins. And uh, I placed my faith in Christ. 
So some of you guys don't remember what life was like before, and so maybe what you want to do is call your parents right now and ask them, hey, how was I before I came to Christ? Um, or another way to do this is this. We all have struggles in our lives, even as Christians. And so what is it that causes you to question what God wants you to do and end up doing what you want to do, which is sin? So what, even as a Christian, what is it that eventually, when you're tempted, you finally just give in and say, okay, I'm going to do it my way rather than God's way? Because here's the deal. Here's what uh, God is having Paul tell us this morning. That when, when Christ saved us, but when we place our faith in Christ, that old self, who we were prior to coming to Christ, is dead. That person, in spite of what you might be thinking right now, that person, according to what God is telling us through Paul's writing, that person is dead. No longer exists. There's not... Um, th- that person doesn't have control or power over you. The person who we were, we are no longer. And we need to nail that thought in our hearts and our minds. We need to understand what God is telling us today. So let's jump right into starting in verse 1. We'll look at the first seven verses first here. And let's kind of look at this whole idea that, the, that who we were after placing our faith in Christ is no longer who we are. Okay, that person is dead. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. So Paul is, you know, as you might know, Paul is kind of a, um, um, a teacher. He's a Pharisee. You know, prior to coming to Christ, he was a Pharisee. And he kind of has his legal mind too. So he kind of lays out this, this argument for us. And he's about halfway through this argument. Uh, and he's basically saying, hey, listen, uh, you who say, hey, you know, I've been, I've been freed from sin, so I'm just going to go sin, 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 sin. You know, I'm just going to lay it out there because then God's grace is seen. He's like, no, that's not how you live. Why? Because how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. And so what Paul is telling us here, what God is having Paul tell us is that we who were dead in sin, talked about this before, right? Prior to Christ, we were dead in our sins. We who were dead in sin are now, through Christ, dead to sin. He uses this word in his, in his question, died to sin. Now, that, um, that tense, verb tense, means something that's happened at a definite point in time in the past. And so what he's saying is this, at that moment in time where you placed your faith in Christ, a spiritual transaction took place, and that old self died. Done. Finished. Kaput. 
Нет. Is that, is that the Russian way of saying? I don't know. I don't know why that came to my mind. Nothing. It's, it's gone. In spite of how we might feel about it, in spite of what we might think about it, God wants you and me to know when we place our faith in Christ, that old self, that old person, died. Now, I can already see in some of your faces that uh, you're uh, actually looking in your purses, some of you, and you'd rather throw something at me because you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Harold, you frustrate me. And I said, don't be frustrated with me. I'm just a messenger. I hear what you're saying, but I see what my life is. It doesn't jive. It doesn't go together. It doesn't make sense. How can, how can the Bible say that? But in my life, I'm constantly struggling with that. I'm, I'm constantly fighting against the stuff that I used to do prior to Christ. Hang on to that thought. Leave it there. Kind of set it off to the side in your mind. Stay with me, track with me, because we're going to work through all this and we're going to come at, at, at the end, tie it all together. So hang in there. Let me lay out some more stuff here that God gives us in this verse. He says this as, he, as we break this down. We've been buried with him through baptism into death. So as Christians, when we place our faith in Christ, God does a spiritual transaction where he baptizes us into Christ. Now, he's not talking about uh, water baptism. Now, we do water baptism, immersion, immersion, all right? We do it up here at the little platform. We have a little tub there. He's not talking about that. That's something that we do after we've been baptized spiritually, if you want to put it that way. After we receive uh, salvation from God, he places his Holy Spirit into us. Then we do water baptism, just saying, hey, this is symbolic. This is just illustrating what God's already done in my life. And which, by the way, if you uh, haven't been baptized, uh, if you've placed your faith in Christ, but you haven't been baptized uh, by immersion, uh, July 12th, we're going to be doing that here. We've got about five people signed up already. And so some of those who accepted Christ last year, and then we had this COVID thing happening, right? So they're going to get dunked um, on July 12th. So if you haven't done that, sign up at the Information Center. We'd love to have some more people involved in that. But the point is, when we, when we believe in Jesus, when we believe he died our eternal death, God then baptizes us. It's a spiritual transaction where God the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and baptizes us. He fully immerses us in Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul uh, talks a little bit more about it, kind of gives us some other uh, ideas. First 6.17, points himself to the Lord. In other words, a, pers- a person who places their faith in the Lord. Uh, is one spirit with him. So think about that. You and I, who place our faith in him, we're one spirit with Christ. And that's awesome, isn't it? To be one spirit with the God of this universe? I mean, that's just plain awesome. Galatians 3.27, For all who were baptized into Christ, it's the same term he was using here, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So it's as if we've, we've put Jesus on, like clothing. So when God sees us, he no longer sees us, because that old person is gone. He sees Christ in our place. So since we died with Jesus at the point of salvation, he says then that we, should, we will rise with him. Rise from the dead. You go on to the next one, sorry. Come on. Magic fingers. There you go. So he says, uh, so we too might walk in newness of life. All right? So, Newness and oldness of life. Newness, old self. Uh, I connected them. 
they're complete opposites, but they're similar in this way. It's talking about the quality of something. It's not talking about uh, chronologically the time thing. So it's not talking about um, new in the sense of it's just been around for a short time or old, it's been around for a long time. It's talking about the, the quality of something, the, the character of something. And so when he's talking about this new life, this new life that we have in Christ, it's talking about something that's completely new, like never seen before. Something that's never been there before and is now there. It's, it's new. It's awesome. It's, in a sense, unique to what we've seen before. In fact, uh, Paul talks about some of this. Second Corinthians, you might be familiar with this verse, 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. It's another way of saying it. It's a, a new act of creation. When you placed your faith in Christ, God created something completely new. This old is gone. This is all new. New stuff happening. New person living. Different. Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. This image of God. Now we know from Genesis, back when Adam and Eve were first created, that they were created in the image of God. And, and fully so, in the sense that they were spiritually perfect. They were spiritually alive. Then they sinned, and they died spiritually. And everybody since then, all of us who have lived since then, we, we were born physically, but we were dead spiritually. But we still had the image of God in us. It was distorted. It's kind of messed up. But now when we place our faith in Christ... We are recreated uh, into the likeness of God. In other words, we can be like God. Not God, but we can operate like Him. We can do the things that He wants us to do. In fact, Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5, you know, where, that uh, we can imitate God. Again, not that we are God, but we're doing things that God wants us to do. We're responding the way Jesus wants us to respond. And here's, here's the truth of it. He's not talking about being a better version of you. Now, the world loves to throw us around. Right? You, you watch all these different TV, these talk shows, and they have certain people come on, and they're all talking, of, you know, hey, just a little bit, a better version of you. Just make yourself into a better version. Listen, you don't want a better version of me, and if no insult, no offense here, I don't want a better version of you. Because what, what God wants for us to be is, a version of Jesus. To look and act and respond to life the way Jesus did. To make that kind of impact in people's life, not me. In fact, Galatians 2.20, Paul even says, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. Paul, crucified with Christ. Us, crucified with Christ. Which is no longer I live. It's not me trying to do this better and better and better. Because me, I'm dead. I'm gone. Why? Because Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So, what that looks like, we talked about this a lot recently, I live by faith. I say, I could do it this way, which is my way, or I could do it God's way. If I do it this way, I'm giving my old self power that he doesn't have, which we're going to talk about in a bit, or I do it God's way. I don't know if this is going to work, because... I've never seen God operate in this situation. Or I've never seen, I've seen him operate and give me what I need, but it's in a different situation. Now this is a new situation. I'm going to trust God on this one, and I'm going to respond his way. Doing that is living in Christ, is doing life God's way. It's imitating God, imitating 
Christ. So it's not a new version or a better version of us. It's us living like Christ. Christ living through us. And I put on here, I was thinking about this earlier this week, it's called Christianity for a reason. It's not heraldianity, which is hard to say. Try it. Heraldianity. Yeah, some of you guys actually did it pretty good. No, it's, it's not, you know, put your name in there and you try it. It's not so easy to do. It's Christianity. See how that flows? It's Christianity. It just flows. Because it's Christ living in and through us. Well, why was it necessary? It's because of the old self. The old self, um, as we talked about at the beginning, thinks in a certain way. It, it responds in a certain way. It, it destroys. I mean, again, what was your life like before you came to Christ? Or what's your life like when you don't do life God's way now as a Christian? It, it ends up destroying, right? It ends up... And so the old self, the old self is, we've got to understand, it's, it's useless. That's what that word means. Old in this uh, Greek word means to be useless. It means to be trash. It means to be um, good for the trash. If there's any goodness to it, it needs to go into the trash. It's what Paul said in Philippians 3 when he was talking about all the good stuff he did before Christ, including being a religious leader, he says that's all trash. He actually uses the word dung. I was going to use the word poop, but don't, people don't like hearing that word in church, so I'm not going to use the word poop, but it's, it was basically <laughs> poop. And, it, and so he, he said, I've got to throw that out. It means nothing. Our old self is nothing. And when we continue to think that way, when we continue to act that way, it doesn't make sense. Because the way we thought and the way we acted is what got us into the mess we were in. It's what got us to the point where we were saying, I can't do this, I need Jesus. Why go back to it? It doesn't make any sense. Because the old has been killed. The old has been done away, it says. And done away means that it's not gone, because we're still here, we're not in heaven yet, we're not perfect. It means it's idle, it's powerless, it's just sitting there, over in the corner, you know, not doing anything, just sitting there, powerless, unable to control, unable to do what it wants to do in our lives. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25, and you can turn there later this afternoon as you go back over these, but he talks about that struggle because we're not in heaven yet, so we have a sinful nature in us still. But it, it's, it doesn't have power, but there's a struggle. And only when we say, okay, go ahead, will it be able to do anything in our lives. Because prior to Christ, we were controlled by sin. Everything we did was sin because we were doing it in our strength. Whether we thought it was a good thing or a bad thing, God considered it sin because we were doing it in our own strength, for our own motives. Paul talks about that at the end of Romans chapter 6, the chapter that we're in. But now sin is powerless in Christ. You can't forget that. In Christ. So we're freed from the power of sin. We're freed from its impact in our lives. So how does that happen? Well, Paul goes on and says this. This is how it happened. Now if we have died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death 
no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let's break that down. He says, now if, this word can be taken as if or since. So in one hand, you could read it go, and if you have come to Christ, which then would beg the question, have you? And I can't answer that for you. Um, I can only answer it for myself. And, and I would say it's positive. I, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Have you? If you haven't, he's offering that gift to you free. That's what the, why it's a gift. And he's offering it to you. And you just need to take it and say thank you and experience the new life that he's offering. And, it, and if you do, you can then read the word if as since. You can go either way in the Greek. So since we've died with Christ, then we believe some things. And, and believe, we entrust ourselves into. We, we uh, understand that there are some things that have changed in our lives. And the, one of them is that we shall live with him. <laughs> That's an awesome concept, right? This has a, an eternal um, idea to it, an aspect to it, and it has an earthly aspect to it. So the, the eternal aspect is this, that when Jesus Christ died, <clears throat> he rose again, right? And, and then after he rose again, he ascended into heaven. Well, as people who have died with Christ, we will also rise with him and we will live with him in the future, in heaven. So when we die physically, our spirits go to heaven. We go with Christ. At some point down the road, our bodies will be resurrected, the Bible tells us, and we'll be given perfect bodies, and you'll all be bald, and we'll go to heaven, and we'll just celebrate our perfection and rub everyone's head. Nice. Shiny. Right? Um, but it also has an earthly aspect to it, and this is where it's really important for us this morning, because the life that he calls us to live, the life that we can now live, is with Christ, with Him. In other words, we can't do it without Him, is another way of putting it. Again, it's not a better version of us, it's a version of Jesus. It's, it's living life like Jesus. And so, the only way we can do this life is if we think like He does. And we allow Him to empower us to do life His way. And, and He gives us the wisdom to do life His way, and the understanding, the perspective. And we, It's all about Jesus and what He's thinking and wants us to do. So we, we live with Him. We, we can only do this life with Him. And then he says, consider yourselves. The word consider means um, inventory. Take an inventory of. And so, the way this kind of works out in our lives is that we have to, on a regular basis, think through what it means of, of the fact that we have placed our faith in Christ. We have to remind ourselves on a regular basis what happened. You know, well, I place my faith in Christ, and the Bible tells me that I'm, I'm dead to my old way of doing things, and now I live in this new life, this new, completely different, uh, like never before kind of life. And in my old life, that's trash, that's, that's the dung heap, that's poop, and I don't need it anymore. I, I don't want to respond that way. I need to do it life God's way. And when I do it His way, we're going to see life come out of that, and and growth come out of that. Paul talks about that in Romans 8, where, you know, mind set on the flesh, doing life our way is death. 
And what happens when we do life our way? We destroy things. Relationships, situations. But when we do life God's way, a mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And so when we do life God's way and respond God's way, it brings growth. And so we, we need to consider this. We need to think about it. We need to remember it. We need to take inventory. We need to remind ourselves of it. And again, it says, in Christ. We're alive to God in Christ. We can only do life God's way if we're doing it under the control and power of Jesus Christ. So how does that happen? Paul goes on and tells us, and we're going to use these verses as our takeaway, so if you're, say, if you're falling asleep, and now it's takeaway time, so get your notes out and do the takeaways here. But he says this, Therefore, because of everything we just got done talking about, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. There you go again, Harold. You're telling me something I'm doing and I can't do it. Okay, just hang on, hang on. I can feel it. I can feel the tension. Take a deep breath. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness or tools of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, because you are, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under, gra- under law, but under grace. So here's the deal. We're going to look at two things here. Um, and, and really the second one should replace the first one. In other words, you, can't, um, you have to be doing the second one in order for the first one to not happen. Does that make sense? But we'll, we'll do it in the order that, that the Bible gives it to us. Um, and so we're going to do it that way. So the first takeaway is, kind of obvious, right? Stop living life the old way. So don't let sin reign in your mortal body and obey its lusts, its desires, the way it wants to do stuff. Don't go on presenting your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Here's the deal. Every time we start thinking, I think I should do it this way, we are unleashing the old self. We are allowing it to reign in our lives. We're allowing ourselves, to, we're presenting ourselves to sin. We're giving in to its desires. As soon as we start thinking, I think I, we need to stop right there. If your next sentence, or next word is, I think I should do it God's way, if it's not that, then you need to stop. So going back to my original question, and how did you think about yourself prior to Christ? How, who were you prior to coming to Christ? How did you think about yourself? What things did you tell yourself about yourself? How did you respond to other people? How did you look at other people? How did you deal with life prior to Christ? That's what we need to stop doing. We need to stop thinking about ourselves the way we were prior to Christ. Because this is what happens a lot. And again, it happens to all of us, so I'm not picking on anybody. It happens to all of us. One way or another, somewhere in our lives, wherever we're struggling with our sin, however long we've been a Christian, there's always an area in our lives where God's constantly saying, hey, 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 whoa, you need to give this over to me. When we start thinking about ourselves the way we used to think about ourselves, that doesn't do anything but hurt us. Because that's not who we are anymore. Right? That's dead. So stop thinking about it. Stop dwelling on it. Stop running it around in your head. Stop saying to God, 
listen, I get what you said about me, but hey, let me tell you what I think about me. He doesn't care what you think about you. He doesn't want you to be thinking about what you thought about yourself. He doesn't want you thinking about what you thought about other people. He doesn't want you thinking about how you're going to respond to other people like you used to respond to other people. Because that person's not there. It's illogical. It makes no sense. Why do it? Only because we, you know, maybe our sin gets in there and our desires. I'm going to take somebody down, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. So we, we do that. So how do we do that? Well, that's the second. So what, what pushes that out of the way? By doing life God's way, by presenting ourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead. So, you replace what you think of yourself with what God thinks of you. Do you know what God thinks of you? I mean, if you've never read the Bible and you just sat here for the first time this morning, you know one thing about how God thinks of you. He thinks enough of you to die for you. So think about that for a while. You start beating yourself up for who you were and the things you've done and the things you thought and the way you acted. The way you stop doing that is by talking about who God says I am. God says I'm, I'm his child. God says I'm spiritually alive. God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God says you know, I'm, I'm a... A child of his, and which means if he's king, that means I'm a prince or a princess, depending on, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can start thinking about rather than beating yourself up on whatever happened in the past. Or how you used to respond to people, or whatever the past is, you start understanding what God says about who you are now, who you are now what you should be thinking about now, how you should be responding to people now. Because that's who you are in Christ. Completely new. Completely different. I've told people this more times than I can count here recently. Um, that it, it's, to do life God's way is completely different, completely opposite of the way you think you should do life. Just get that thought in your head and it'll help. However you think you should do life in and of yourself, the complete opposite is probably what God wants you to do. <laughs> you know, I want to <clears throat> I, I um, shut Kim out, you know. Well, if I'm thinking I should shut Kim out, what should I be doing? Pulling Kim in, right? Because I think I know better. Now, if I think I should, bring, I should pull Kim in, that's probably God telling me and you know, doing life God's way. I started thinking about myself the way I used to think of myself. Again, I was the youngest of five boys. Believe me, I've got some pretty negative thoughts about who I was growing up. I can start sitting back thinking about that, or I can start thinking about how, I, how other people are responding to me in my life, and then I can start having that conversation with them, you know? Man, no, I need to start thinking the way God thinks. How does God think of other people? They're created in his image. They're as valuable to him as I am. They're not better than me. They're not worse than me. We are equals in God's eyes. Any person that you meet, including some of the protesters that you might be very frustrated with and irritated with, they are made in the image of God. Distorted, like we all are. Valuable. Jesus died for them. How are you going to respond? Those in your life that irritate you and frustrate you, 
how do you respond to them? They, they are equal. Pardon me. Greg, hit that, would you? Thank you. Um, so let's move on. I'm going to close out with this. Romans 12 says this. No, actually, i got one more point. Uh, this is important. He talks about the fact uh, of grace. What is grace? <clears throat> grace is not us continually thinking about ourselves and beating ourselves up for that, or whatever it is, because God's forgiven us for that. So, grace, we live under grace, not under the law. The law beats us up, right? The law points out our sin. The law beats us up. Grace doesn't beat us up. Grace forgives. So we need to live in grace and let that go because Christ died for that. And, and now I'm going to live in that grace. I'm going to do life God's way. And then last thing, Romans 12 says this. <clears throat> Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, there's that word again, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is. How, do I, how am I supposed to respond in this situation? That which is good, I want to respond in a good way, I want to respond in an acceptable way, and I want to respond in a perfect or complete way. How do I know, how do I do that? So three points. And this is, this is it. We're bringing this together. First of all, all of life is worship. Starting in our marriage and family. Now, why do I constantly come back to marriage and family? Because Jesus, or God, once he created this world, started with marriage and family. And if we can't do it in our marriage and family, we're not going to be able to do it anywhere else. Right? Because everybody in our families knows what buttons to push and what not to push, right? So if we can get that core figured out and doing life God's way, then everything else is kind of, you know, gravy in one sense. All of life is worship. How I respond to Kim and how Kim responds to me is about worshiping God. In other words, doing marriage God's way and not my way. Responding to Kim as she needs me to respond in spite of what I might think, in spite of how I might think that that's not what you need, I take a step of faith and I sacrifice and do it God's way. That's worship. And when Kim responds back to me and she doesn't want to respect me and she wants to chew me out and she wants to say I'm an idiot and she wants to go talk to other people about how bad I am and she doesn't and she pulls me aside and we have a conversation, just the two of us, that's worship because he's choosing to do it God's way. If how we disciplined our kids is worship, how our kids obeyed us is worship. How I respond to my boss is worship. Potentially. If I do it God's way. So if we can get in our minds that everything we do is worship of God. It's, it's saying, I want God's way over my way. We talk about worship here, a worship service. Well, this is, yeah, this is worship. But it's not the only worship. It's a very, very small portion of our week that this is worship. It's everything we do in our relationships and our response to others. Then he talks about transformation. Transformation, that's the new way. That's the new life. That's the different life. Only happens as God renews our mind. Transformation and uh, renewing 
Those are passive verbs. In other words, those things happen to you. You don't sit there and go, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, it's not that. Again, it's not a better version of you, right? It's me sitting down with God, opening up the Bible, reading it, studying it, breaking verses down. You know, kind of like what I'm doing with you guys every Sunday, right? Breaking things down, thinking about it, praying about it, meditating on it, memorizing it, and then going, okay, where am I not doing this in my life? That's the renewing of the mind. Where am I not doing this in my life? And then taking a step of faith and doing it, that's the transformation. But it's not me doing it. It's God's Word doing it in me. It's God's Holy Spirit giving me the strength to do it. And so we've got to be in God's Word. I keep, you know, I, I make this point so often that I kind of feel like people are going, oh, here it goes again. I've got to be in the Bible. Yeah, you're going to go home and have lunch today, right? Right? Okay, so I thought maybe some of you guys were fasting. Like, whoa, you guys are real spiritual. Yeah, we go. I plan to go home and eat. You know? Why? Because, you, you know, you've got to fuel this machine right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I am. You know, Kim made some steak the other night. Like, you, know, it's, you know, I was all pumped up. But then when we come to the, our Christian lives, we're like, eh, I don't know. I just, I'll just not take anything today. And last is this, and the band, you guys can come on up and they're going to close us out with a song called Who You Say I Am, which I think is very fitting. The last thing is this, you guys. We need to train before the battle. We need to train before the battle. What do I mean by that? I don't know any person in the military who um, went into battle without first training for it. Can you imagine if our military didn't train before it goes into battle? You know, they actually train even if they don't go into battle. Because if there comes a time for battle, they want to be able to just... They actually think ahead and say, okay, what's, what's possibly going to happen in the future with all the political stuff going on in our world? What might happen? Let's train for what might happen. Because they want to be ready for battle. I don't know any athlete who wants to be worth himself or herself. I don't know any musician or vocalist. I don't know any person who's in plays. I don't know anybody who, if they want to be good at whatever it is they're doing, that doesn't train first. We need to train for battle. What does I mean by that? When life is good, when we're not stressed, when we don't got anything going on really, life's good, you know, when you know, we're sitting around asking for prayer requests, you're like, I got none. I, I'm good. All right. Then that's when you need to be training. That's when you need to be in the Bible. That's when you need to be studying. That's when you need to be evaluating life. Okay, if this happens, or I know this happens often in my life, so next time it happens, how am I going to respond based off of what has happened a million times before? You know? Okay, how am I going to respond? It's not happening right now. Okay, how am I going to respond? So we've got to train before the battle. We've got to be in God's Word every day, reading it, studying it, knowing it, coming to church, coming to Bible study. We need to be in it. We need to be training for the battle, even if the battle never happens. But it's going to happen, right? We all live lives where the battle's going to happen. We need to be in it. We need to be worshiping God. We need to be letting Him transform or, or renew our thinking, transforming our lives. And then we need to be training, training, training for the time the battle hits.